Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Wednesday, July 3rd. I've got a very light worryometer on this worryometer Wednesday as we welcome you to Fantasy Baseball today. Adam Bazer and Heath Cummings here. I don't know, Heath. I guess I'm in a good mood. I feel like it's uh, pretty much vacation day. We don't have to work on Thursday or Friday. We are busy today making sure we have content for Thursday and Friday. But I see you're wearing a red shirt. I'm wearing a blue shirt. We are very patriotic. We beat England yesterday. USA. And hello, Heath Cummings. Were you mad at me when I tweeted yesterday about your terrible take about the uh, tea sipping? I, I wasn't mad at you, but... I think you're wrong. You're kind of I think you're wrong. I don't think that they should be mocking England in the World Cup. I think it was wrong. I, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like the whole tea thing. I didn't like it. Twitter seemed to disagree with you. But yeah, no, I'm very happy. Today does not seem like vacation day to me because this is the first of four podcasts that we're going to be doing today. That's true. But, you, you know, tomorrow is vacation day. Yeah. So, right. We, Heath and I are each recording four shows today. Uh, I'll give you the programming announcement in a little bit. I want to get right into baseball here because we do have the worryometer. We got some players that are pretty. I think some of them are pretty under owned. Um, like, ma- like Jackie Bradley Jr. I- I'm starting to buy into a little bit, and he's only 35% owned. Mark Canna is 4% owned. You might be able to do 4%. I'm not saying he needs to be even 20% owned, but maybe yeah, maybe 20. Uh, but anyway, I got some under owned players, some emails. And uh, we're getting a visit from the regulators a little bit later. And I didn't have the music queued up. So um, there you go. Uh, All right. So Heath says, I can't guess his. Ew. (laughs) I can't guess his standout. And he's right. I have no idea who his standout is going to be. But let me. I can give you some clues, though, if you want to turn it into a little game. Okay. He homered yesterday. How many times? Over his last seven games. What was that? How many times? He only homered once. Okay. Over his last seven games, he has 10 hits, including two doubles, three home runs, Uh, and zero strikeouts. Danny Jansen. Danny Jansen is my standout. Still has a batting average below 200 for the (laughs) season. Still has an OPS below 600. But this is a guy we were all pretty excited about coming into the year as a top 10, top 12 catcher. We have talked in the past about how it can take longer for catchers to adjust to hitting at the major league level because they have so much put on their plate with handling a pitching staff at the major league level. And so I'm willing to believe that maybe he's starting to come around as a hitter. At the very least, he's only 26% owned. I think that's too low. Yeah, but I'm sorry to say this. Carson Kelly should be added before Danny Jansen, and Kelly's like 30% owned. And I did add him yesterday. I dropped Josh Fegley for Kelly. Jansen caught my well, I'm eye. I'm glad we, I, I knew that this would turn into a Carson Kelly discussion. A little bit of a concern. I do though. agree that yeah. he should be owned in more leagues than Danny Jansen. He is 33% owned, so he is owned in more leagues than Danny Jansen. A little bit, right? I, a little bit of a concern, though, with Carson Kelly because exactly what I feared has happened. Alex Avila's come back, and he started twice since coming back. And that's going to eat into Kelly's playing time a little bit. Also notice that Jason Castro, who homered twice, is eating into Mitch Garver's playing time a little bit now. Um, so catcher's pretty interesting at the moment. 
One guy that is on waivers in our podcast league that I didn't add, and I probably would add Danny Jansen or Carson Kelly over, and maybe I'll regret it, Heath, Buster Posey. Just don't really care for Buster Posey right now. I think it's a little too far to say we're going to add Danny Jansen or Carson Kelly over Buster Posey. Well, not Kelly. I understand. Jansen, yes, but I, I, I agree on Jansen. I, I'm going to stick with my Kelly take. I'd take Kelly over Posey. I would still take Posey over Kelly, especially in that. That's a points league. Yep. And I, I would expect over the rest of the season that Buster Posey is going to play considerably more than, than Carson Kelly. And Posey's yeah. been hitting a little bit lately. Yeah, a little bit, like two games. But I don't. All right, enough with catchers. How about third base? How about Rafael Devers? Two home runs yesterday. He got off to such a bad start that some people may have actually dropped Rafael Devers. And I wouldn't have necessarily blamed you after 2018 when he hit 240 with 21 homers in 121 games. Now, Rafael Devers is the number, he's the number two third baseman in Roto. Third in points behind Bregman. Arenado's one in both formats, then Bregman, then Devers in points. It's just Arenado and Devers in Roto. But he's a top 13 hitter in either format. And he's really breaking out. Do you buy it? Now, he's hitting lefties much better than he has in the past. But do you buy it? Because it's not like he's hitting the ball harder this year. Uh, I think the main thing, Heath, is that Devers is striking out a lot less. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things here. One, I don't quite buy it to this level. But we're talking about a guy that's still just 22 years old. So when he was having even limited success in the major leagues at 20 years old, you had to feel like this type of breakout was possible. Maybe not, just not quite to this extent. It's been a little bit of everything. The strikeouts are down. He's on pace to steal like 15 bases or something this year. The power numbers are up without a great explanation for why. I mean, there there are more line drives. The hard contact looks about the same. The home run to fly ball ratio is pretty much the same. I don't think he'll be a top five third baseman rest of season. But I I feel pretty confident he's going to be top 10. Do you feel confident that Aaron Nola is back? Last three starts, one earned run, 28 strikeouts in 23 innings. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what reason for concern we would. I mean, it's three starts in a row now of just absolute brilliance. So, yeah, I'm in. Okay. Would you rather have Noah Syndergaard or Aaron Nola? I will be moving Nola ahead of Syndergaard if I don't already have him ahead of Syndergaard. And I think, I, yeah, I had him one spot ahead of Syndergaard before this starts. I The one that's interesting for me and I was is the guy I had just ahead of Nola. It was Trevor Bauer. I think I've got to put Nola ahead of Bauer now too. So that's going to make Nola 19th. I don't know that I'm going to move him ahead of Woodruff yet. That's funny that you, you think that Aaron Nola is back, right? That's what you said? He's Yeah. He's Nola again? And he's only 19th in your rankings. There have been some guys, you know, I guess there's been guys move both directions. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he has the same upside as like Lucas Giolito or Brandon Woodruff who have leapfrogged him. Okay. Is he still an ace though? Does that mean there are close to, that there are 20 aces? Uh, yeah, I think it does. I would take, I think there's one guy that you, you might want to move down. Behind Nola, and that's Paxton, who you have sixteenth. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not not concerned. I'm going to be concerned about it all year. It's just the knee. 
And yesterday was fine, but only three strikeouts. Uh, they're tra- talking about getting his momentum going toward the plate more. I don't know. I, I'm just worried about the knee. I'd rather have the healthy Aaron Nola than the guy who I'm pretty sure is pitching her. They, they say he isn't, but no. But Paxton himself said while he was on the IL that he was going to have to deal with this knee injury all year long. So I don't really believe I think Aaron that's, Boone. I think that's fair. I could see Nola ahead of Paxton, which would make Nola 18th. But All right. We're, we're you know. Okay. All right, then. Yeah, I mean, your top 18 is pretty good. <laughs> Those are good pitchers there. Uh, today's sponsors are SeatGeek and Lightstream. You want to save 10 bucks on your first SeatGeek purchase when you're going to a baseball game or any type of game or concert, comedy, whatever. A lot of events on SeatGeek, and this is a company that's really grown to become so legit and so popular. Uh, the code is FANTASY for 10 bucks off your first purchase on SeatGeek. Fantasy. Download the app or go to SeatGeek.com. Our other sponsor is Lightstream. If you go to Lightstream.com slash strike, you get a special offer there. That is a credit card consolidation loan. You can get a big loan on Lightstream. Uh, if you have good credit and you need a little help, go to Lightstream.com slash strike. You'll hear about these sponsors later in the show. All right, we have a mailbag tomorrow. I'm actually recording, recording it tonight. Got a guest coming on for that uh, and maybe Scott. And it's going to be mostly mailbag plus a little bit of reaction to what's going on uh, in today's games, including Dylan Cease, who's making his Major League debut. Uh, but email us at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Maybe put mail. Eh, you know, whatever. You don't have to put anything in the subject line. I'll, I'll just something fantasy baseball related. It's fine. And the State of Combat podcast is hot this week. It is a big week in MMA. They've got big interviews, great coverage. Check out the State of Combat podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Go to cbssports.com slash podcast for a complete list of our shows. Heath mentioned he's doing four shows today. I'm doing four shows today. So here's what they are. This one now, Fantasy Football Today, that's airing today. We're doing projections all week. Um, we've had two episodes so far of, of Heath and Ben Gretsch giving their projections for each team. We're doing two divisions per show. Um, so that's two shows. Heath is going to be on the Pick 6 podcast. That's his third. Um, Heath is also going to be on the second, the, the Projections FFT Fantasy Football Today podcast that will air tomorrow. That'll be his fourth and my third, and my fourth podcast will be tonight, FBT. That'll air on July 4th. Hope everybody has a great July 4th. Let me just get that out there now. Um, safe July 4th and I love America we just don't think we have to taunt the British when we beat them in soccer or football Heath uh, some prospects to talk about I don't know how to pronounce his name and I couldn't find a video yesterday the guy on the Astros who pitched yesterday Jose Urquidy Urquidy is that what he's going by though that has yes that is his name I think he changed his name in the offseason in CBS when I added him, his name was Jose Hernandez. Okay. Um, and I now added him in a couple of leagues. Really interesting guy. He looked a lot coming into 2019 based on the numbers, like a jag. Uh, good control, not enough strikeouts, good production in the minor leagues, but he wasn't really young for any of the levels he was pitching at. And then everything changed in 2019. He was dominant, if, if unlucky, in double A. Um, very, very good peripherals. 10.9K per nine, still no walks. Gave up a lot of runs that he probably shouldn't have. They bumped him up to AAA anyway. Completely dominant in AAA. 13.2K per nine, two walks per nine, a 2.89 ERA in seven starts, 43 innings. They give him a chance in the major leagues, and I was pretty encouraged by his first start at Coors Field. Yeah, 
He only went three and two-thirds innings, and he gave up a couple of runs. But the strikeouts were good. He only walked one, didn't give up a home run. I, I hope he gets a chance to stick in the rotation. Yeah, so that's the thing. I mean, I don't really care about what he did at Coors Field. We're going to talk about Coors Field later. And the stats right now on Coors Field, it is almost pre-humidor level. Basically, since the humidor, I think, came around in 2002, Coors Field has not not really been like this. This is going to be maybe the most offensive year since the humidor. Um, so whatever, the start, you know, three and two-thirds, six hits, two runs, but four strikeouts. Uh, he might, I don't know if he'll pitch, I doubt he'll pitch again this weekend, but he could be lined up to face the Angels. We don't know if he's staying in the rotation. That's the big drawback right now. But for a guy who's 10% owned, there's a lot of potential here for Jose or Kitty. Remember, uh, it's you. U-R-Q-U-I-D-Y if you're searching. Brad Peacock's on the IL, but he's supposed to come back after the All-Star break. Uh, two other prospects, Franklin Barreto, I think he's about 10% owned too. He's going to be the primary second baseman for Oakland now uh, instead of Jurickson and Profar. And did pretty well in the minors at the PCL this year. He's been pretty bad in the majors. How interested are you in A's infielder Franklin Barreto? I am interested in a deeper league that requires a middle infielder. He has, I mean, so far you would say he looks a lot like a quad A player because he has mostly dominated AAA the past two seasons and just been absolutely terrible in the major leagues. But he's got a little bit of speed. He's got a little bit of pop. It's an interesting profile if he can just uh, strike out a little less in the major leagues. Yeah, he, he hasn't really run in the majors, but he has a 29-steal season in 73 games and a 30-steal season in 123 games in the minors. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I certainly don't think we're rushing to add Franklin Barreto, but he's a name to know. And then, of course, Dylan C starts today, and he's 52% owned. So, they, you know, what I read today was... He, he struggled his last, like, four starts or something in the minors. They've kind of ruined his numbers. And they think, like, maybe he got bored and needs to step up in competition. So um, I shouldn't say the word bored, but maybe he just needs to step up in competition. So 52% owned, does that sound right to you for Dylan Cease? Because uh, let me just, last thing, I put in a fairly aggressive bid on him, and I got him yesterday. And I just feel like I talked about this with Scott. This might be your last chance to get a real stud pitching prospect this year. Yeah, I mean, I think 52% is a little bit low. I don't think, like, I think that there will probably be a couple of more guys that come up that we will get excited about that are not necessarily on the radar right now because of a really good stretch in the minor leagues, but he is the best pedigreed guy that we're probably going to see. Okay, so we'll see what he does today. It's an afternoon start, and you might be hearing this podcast after Dylan Cease makes his major league debut, but, uh, don't be deceived by the numbers. He's better than what his AAA numbers are this year. Uh, speaking of which, I, I dropped Adbert Ad Alzali for Dylan Cease, and we'll talk about him when we look at the news and notes and the worryometer, the double dongs, some more players who are worth adding. Uh, and, oh, trade talk today. Buy low or heck no. It's all coming up after this break on Fantasy Baseball today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
News and notes starts with Luke Voigt. He's on the IL, but he could be back right after the All-Star break. He should have made the All-Star team, whatever. Albert Alzali is in AAA. I, you know, Heath, I wasn't sure if this is permanent or not. Uh, I, you know, they could obviously just be sending him down until the break's over and then bring him back up. But the start on Monday was so bad that I guess I just don't feel like you have to own Albert Alzali right now. Well, and like we were giving him a lot of credit for things that we thought looked good about him, but he hasn't gone five innings in a start yet. Well, he the has first time seven was walks in eleven innings. The first time was just, uh, I think it was a relief appearance. So yeah, but he gave up two hits in the first two in his first two appearances over like eight and two thirds or something. Right. Yeah, and seven walks or six walks over eight and two thirds. Yeah, the walks were somewhat like one inning. I think he walked two or three. You're right, but that's the thing. You don't have to own him right now. <laughs> I'd I'd much rather have Dylan Cease right now. Yeah, uh, Anthony Rendon. He's been playing great, but he's been dealing with some nagging injuries so much so that he might skip the All Star game. Uh, Alex Avila started again, which I mentioned that affects the best player in the world, Carson Kelly. Hunter Pence aggravated his groin injury. So don't know when he'll be back. He still might be back right after the break. Cole Hamill's oblique injury is not too bad. Trevor Story is back. Nate, okay, so yesterday we talked about how Nate Evaldi, according to a report, would be the closer. Dave Dombrowski, all I saw him say was that Nate Evaldi's going to pitch out of the bullpen, which, by the way, could be as soon as next week. So I don't know that for a fact that he's going to be the closer, unless, Heath, you saw something different. It was just a report that might be a little unsubstantiated for Evaldi. Well, That's we'll all, yes. Uh, Adalberto Mondesi's back. He homered. Brandon Lau homered yesterday, but he did foul a ball off his leg like a, several times, and he left the game. X-rays are negative on Lau. Matt Carpenter's on the IL. He's got a back issue. He should be back right after the break. Tommy Lastella left with a leg injury. Elvis Andrews stole home for the third time this season. Wow. And Kyle Hendricks, there was not a straight steal, by the way. Kyle Hendricks and Joe Musgrove and Zach Gowan, they all pitched either two or three innings because of rain. What do you think about Zach Gowan right now? How would you compare him to Dylan Cease? I'm a little bit concerned. I feel kind of similar about Gowan like I do about Yamamoto, um, that one of those two guys after the All-Star break is not going to be on the Marlins rotation anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one it is. Uh, Eric Thames homered off a righty. Uh, Hopefully this one pays off. I was excited about starting him in a deeper league. Eric Thames has just been great against righties, and he's got a he's got good matchups this week. Uh, I was dead wrong about Ryan Yarbrough. That was a terrible call. He's stuck in my lineup with three fantasy points, and he got sent down. So he's not going to be making his second appearance this week. Mitch Hanniger had a setback. Hunter Strickland is progressing toward a bullpen session as Rowena Salias got another save yesterday. Uh, Christian Walker is losing playing time to Jake Lamb. Corey Seager and A.J. Pollock both expected back right after the break. Justin Turner sat with a sore elbow. And Heath, Danny Salazar is on a rehab assignment right now. Do you have any interest in Cleveland pitcher Danny Salazar? Remember all the fights uh, we had about Danny Salazar in the past? Those he, were the best. The original, um, the original guy who made us fight on this show, I think, was Danny Salazar. Yes. Um, I have some interest in watching what Danny Salazar does in the minor leagues. How's that? That's not enough to make me get in a fight with you. <laughs> I am not completely disinterested. All right. In Danny Salazar. I His am first s- rehab appearance went very well. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm much more interested in Denelson Lamette, by the way, who's probably going to start tomorrow. So uh, I think everybody is. But just wanted to throw out Lamette's name again. All right, Heath, worryometer. You feeling worried today? Like, how you feeling? I, it's going to depend on which what the names are, but there are some people that are worrying me. Yes, I'm not sure Jack Flaherty should be on the worryometer. He might be on the dropometer. Uh, Jack Flaherty worryometer zero to ten. I moved Jack Flaherty out of my top thirty-five. I think at starting pitcher just a couple of days ago, and I may not have moved him quite far enough. Um, I'll put him at a five on the worryometer. I don't believe he should be on the dropometer. He's still got a 404 XBIP, a 411 Sierra. He's still striking out better than 10 batters per nine innings. I expect he's going to be a lot better than this, but I'm a little worried. Oh, I just saw a headline. Sorry, clickbait. British analyst rips Morgan for distasteful celebration. I'm going to have to read this article now. Yeah, it was you're distaste- gonna be very, like, it was like You're siding with the Brits. I don't like showboating. You're t- you're, you're I don't care about. Ge- By the way, I don't care about gender. I'm not being sexist. I don't. I don't like showboating. Benedict Adam. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Trevor Bauer back on the worryometer. Uh, very good start last time out. Six and two thirds, one run, twelve strikeouts against Kansas City. This time, six innings, eleven hits, five runs, six strikeouts, two homers at Kansas City. Same matchup, and that's 17 home runs in 125 innings. Worryometer on Trevor Bauer. Four? Four. Yeah. I I think he's a good number two starting pitcher that's going to be good for most of the time the rest of the year. I would expect him to give us a very good outing. Like, I wish they'd just give him a little more rest and not make him throw quite so much. It is... It... Is football, European football, famous for its banter? That's what I'm seeing here on Twitter. That this is commonplace. By the way, the person who called... Oh, yes. I think so, for sure. All right. Well, that might make me, you know, recalibrate. I just don't don't like it. But the person who called it distasteful is a former British, English national team member, uh, Leanne Sanderson. So she's probably a little biased. Uh, Jake Odorizzi. Jake Odorizzi is now on the IL with a blister, but this start was bad. Uh, three innings, five earned runs, two homers at Oakland. That means his last three starts, Odorizzi has given up 12 earned runs and 12 and a third. Two straight starts allowing two home runs. We knew the home run to fly ball rate was way too low. Worryometer on Jake Odorizzi. Here's a guy that belongs on the dropometer. I'll put a 10 on the worryometer. A drop? I'm oh. not even sure if he's going to be good. Oh, look, like. I wouldn't be surprised if you're right, but you cannot drop Jake Odorizzi. He has a 310 ERA, 315. He's on the IL, and not, he'll he could be back right He's after the like break. Giving up like 45 runs over his last four starts. Three starts with 12 earned runs. I it's too soon I, to I drop. Said four. Him. That fourth one was really bad. Uh, it was. I think it was four runs in six innings. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think that would be an overreaction to drop Jake Odorizzi, but I think anybody should be a little worried. I mean, it's kind of like Lance Lynn. He's a 10 on the worryometer for me. Okay. All right, Heath. Just because, like, if Lance Lynn has a couple of these, his peripherals now look a lot better than Odorizzi's when Odorizzi was good. So I was expecting Odorizzi to be bad. So when things start to go south, I'm just like, aha, there it is. He's still bad. There you go. Confirmation bias. All right. Yes. So let's be more positive then and look at a list of players that might be worth adding. This section is called worth adding? Question mark. 
Miguel Sano. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they, they can't all be as creative as Worryometer. I, 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 why not Adam or not? Adam or not? Uh, but how did we spell it? Like your name. A-D-A-M or not? All right, graphics department. Can we make an Adam or not graphic on the fly here? Let's see. I think they can do it. They're pretty good. Miguel Sano. His last four games, he's 6 for 12 with four home runs. He's been pretty bad for fantasy because he doesn't play every day. That's pretty important for Sano. Uh, but he's batting 223 with 13 home runs. He's homering a ton. 13 home runs in 35 games, but that batting average is dreadful. Anyway, Miguel Sano, should we add him or not? It's not just that he's like struggled with this not playing every day. He's got a 39.5% strikeout rate. I like Miguel Sano quite a bit. But if he's 51% owned, I assume that means he's owned in all leagues that are AL only. He's owned in all leagues where you need a corner infielder. I don't think, even in a categories league, he's going to be startable as a third baseman. So, no, I don't think he's under-owned. All right, what I do would th- not add him. What do you think about the lower third here? I think we, I think maybe we should just change it to my first name. So right now it says yeah, Adam Yeah, I think it not. should just be Adam, your name, or not. Yeah, right now it says ADD-AM or not. Yeah. All right, that's okay. All right, let's go, graphics department. Get on it now. <laughs> they you, ate your guts yeah, that, right now. You know what? Well, not just right now, always, but... Welcome to the club, all right? Heath, it, it didn't take Heath this long to hate my guts. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., 35% owned. First 38 games, let's split his season in half. First 38 games, a 421 OPS. Maybe the worst hitter in baseball. I mean, that's Danny Jansen level. Last 38 games for Jackie Bradley... A 1057 OPS. Yeah, it's a 376 Babbitt, but 328 with nine home runs and three steals and 12 doubles and a triple in those 38 games. 35% owned. I did add him. I dropped Luis Severino. Didn't have an IL spot uh, in a 13 team Roto League yesterday. So I'm thinking uh, maybe Bradley should be more owned. Adam or not? Yeah, his playing time's been a little weird as of late, right? Has it? I thought um, a little. Maybe. I think he's probably I would I will add him in a five outfielder league, but that's probably only like ten percent of leagues where he's not owned. <laughs> Adam or not. You know, the great part of the, the lower third is fixed. The great part about the segment is that we actually have a guy named Adam coming up. Uh Jose Martinez, thirty six percent owned. Double dongs yesterday, not a home run hitter, but uh career three oh four hitter, so that batting average maybe has some positive regression coming. Uh, Jose Martinez for the Cardinals. Adam or not? And who would you add first, Jackie Bradley or Jose Martinez? I think I'd rather add Jose Martinez. Um, with the Marcelo Zuna injury, I'm not sure how long he's going to be out. I don't have really a lot of concerns about Martinez's playing time. I expect him to hit for a good average and just enough power. Who texted you? I, heard, I don't know. I heard that. <laughs> you did? That's That's bad. That's like a Scott White mistake. And it, well, it you're gonna learn. Though. You're gonna learn from your mistake. That's that's the difference. Yeah. Uh, Danny Jansen was on the list. Let's move on past him. Okay, Adam or not, Adam Frazier, fifteen percent owned. Yeah, fifteen percent owned. He has nine hits and ten at bats, including five doubles in his last two games. Adam that's Frazier. fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, he is someone that I was pretty interested in at the start of the year, and was just terrible in like a Jackie Bradley type way. I am interested in him in enough leagues to where like he's too, I'll add him up to like 
30%. I think he's behind Bradley. He's behind Jose Martinez, but he should be owned in more leagues than he is. Okay, how about Wade LeBlanc, 13% owned. His last six appearances, none of them were starts. A 331 ERA. 25 strikeouts in 32 and a third with an 11% swinging strike rate, which is pretty good. LeBlanc had another good appearance yesterday, and he, he had in this six-appearance stretch, LeBlanc had one terrible start at Oakland, or terrible appearance, two and two-thirds, six earned runs. The rest of them have been pretty good. Uh, 13% owned Wade LeBlanc. Adam or not? Or not. Um, if you're not going six innings regularly, regardless of whether you start or not, and you don't really strike anyone out, and you have the history of Wade LeBlanc, I am not particularly interested. All right. He does have three wins in these six appearances, though. Okay. Okay. And finally, Mark Canna. Can I get an addition on my my roster? Mark Canna, Adam or not? 4% owned. Uh, th- that's low enough that I will add him in any AL only league. I don't think like his, I don't think he's going to play very much once Chris Davis is back, right? Chris Davis is back. It's, it's Steven Piscotty. Since Piscotty has, uh, got on the IL, Canna started okay. uh, just about every day. How long do we think Piscotty's out? So he's out, I think at least another month. Which of course is going to be interrupted. Maybe by the up All-Star to break. like still behind Adam Frazier. Okay, Canna's got I'll some add pop him in a few leagues. Yeah, he's he's got some pop. He's got twelve home runs. Well, he he's batting two thirty eight, but slugging five thirty one. So, all right, you know, just a name that maybe you need to know. There were some other dudes who homered yesterday, and then we got some trade talk and uh, Coors Field talk, and probably going to talk about Matt Strom at some point. Plus Zach Wheeler. Patrick Corbin, Charlie Morton, who's a top five pitcher. Mike Miner's bad start. What do you do with Dallas Keuchel right now? Busy show. I'll be right back. Fantasy Baseball Today coming right back after this. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. A lot of home runs yesterday. No surprise. It's uh, several double dong days yesterday. Here's a segment called other dudes who homered. Framel Reyes homered again. Heath, he's 75% owned. He has started eight straight games. Should Framel Reyes be at least 90% owned? If he's going to play every day from this point forward, I think he pro- the thing is I don't think in a t- 10 team points league with three outfielders you're using Fran Reyes. Okay. Jason Castro So maybe oh, 85%? Sorry. All right, 85. Get it up a little bit higher. Jason Castro, Twins catcher, double dongs yesterday. <sighs> Playing a little bit too much for my liking as a Mitch Garver owner. So that's something we'll have yes, to keep an eye on. I agree 100%. Uh, Evan Longoria hit two home runs. He is now... We don't care, right, about Longoria? I don't. Let me give you some fun Longoria notes. He has a 738 OPS after hitting three home runs in his last two games. He has scored 31 fantasy points this week. That's more than his previous four weeks combined. So, yeah, we don't care about Longoria. However, Yuli Gurriel is on quite a hot streak right now. Like, the day after I dropped him, 
He is at five home runs in his last seven games, including two yesterday at Colorado. Do you buy anything? Like, do you buy your Liguriel? He's like, he's like, I'm. Lourdes isn't the only Guriel who can, you know, be great. Sixty-six percent own Yuli Guriel. It seems like he may be a little bit uh, motivated by the arrival of uh, Jordan Alvarez and oh, uh, keeping Alvarez on the bench right now, at least for this series without a uh, designated hitter. So yeah, I buy it a little bit. I think he's under-owned. He's going to be in the waiver wire column as someone that should be owned in more leagues. All right, Yuli's 66% owned. So now it's time to talk trade on Wednesday here, as we typically do. Uh, I asked you guys, who do you want to buy low on in a segment called Buy Low or Heck No? And here we go. From The Mooch, I want to buy low on Scott White. He is being undervalued as an analyst, and I think he has a big second half. Well, I think that's very true. Scott's going to have an enormous second half. Um Carrying most of the load of this podcast. <laughs> yes, at some point, Heath's going to be like, I'm out. And uh, yeah, Scott well, Scott and I will basically be doing all the shows. So, But yeah, I, he's not undervalued. I sell that premise. Buy low or heck no from Christopher on Jose Ramirez. Yeah, he's, uh, he's turned things around a little bit as of late. No power, but he's hitting more often, more regularly. He's got 18 stolen bases. I think he'll be better in the second half for sure. I like it. Buy low. I think a lot of these guys are buy lows, uh, but it's a question of, like, can you realistically buy low on them? You know, if you can turn... Would you turn Nick Senzel into Jose Ramirez? Nick Senzel, since he has debuted, is the number seven second baseman in points, number eight in Roto. Uh, I think he's, like, a top 30 outfielder. I could tell you in a second. But I'm just thinking of, of a guy that was fairly low on your roster at the beginning of the season or maybe even picked up on waivers. Would you would you trade Nick Senzel, uh, number 21 outfielder in points, number 25 in Roto since debuting, it, into Jose Ramirez? Yes. You would. I would, uh, I would do that. I expect Jose Ramirez to be better the rest of the season. All right, this is from Taylor. Buy low or heck no on Michael Conforto, who is currently in a 2-for-25 slump. He is the number 26 outfielder in points, number 32 in Roto. Michael Conforto, buy low or heck no? I think he's probably valued pretty appropriately. Um, His season-long numbers look very similar to his numbers from last year with a little more power. They look very, very similar to his career numbers. I, I am... I'm not buying low. I think this is pretty much who Michael Conforto is. He's struggling against lefties this year. Conforto's annoying because he's so streaky. Throughout his career, he's so streaky. I, he'll probably get hot, and then he'll probably get cold again. All right, here's a tough one. From Hispanic at the Disco, great name. Hispanic at the Disco, by the way, has tweeted into the Fantasy Baseball Today video show on CBS Sports HQ, Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, check it out, 3 to 6 p.m. Fun show. Uh, okay, Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve, buy low or heck no? Uh, this is going to depend on how low you can buy, I think. He did run, and I believe last night, and stole his second base, yep. which would help with uh, the profile. Because Jose Altuve, without the power that he showed in 2017 and without the stolen bases is not a buy low. But I, I think I if I can buy low on him, I will. It's just not 
Like I'd trade DJ LeMayu for him. Yeah. DJ LeMayu has been a lot better. I would too. I'd trade Nick Senzel for him. I I have to be confident that Altuve is going to hit. I'm not confident that he's going to run at all. So if I trade how I feel, yeah, Yeah. if I traded for Altuve and he did start running, it'd be just a nice added bonus. Don't trade for him thinking I need steals. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. Like you said, his second steal yesterday. He has seven hits in his last two games. Some of them came yesterday at Coors. But I I am worried long-term about Altuve. I'm worried about his legs. He's not young anymore. He's not old yet. But compared to the other elite hitters in baseball, most of them are younger than him. Right. I uh, Yeah, I'm just I'm hoping that he's not, like, breaking down. It's, it's too soon to say that, but... It's two years in a row with, like, the same injury, right? I mean, that knee's giving him some trouble. So, I guess to sum it up, if you were drafting today, what what round do you think you'd take Altuve in a 12-team league? Third. Oh, really? That high? All right. Then he's a then he's a buy low. Uh, from Dave, buy, buy low or heck no on Chris Davis. This is a tough one because, like, he... he does look like a decent buy low candidate just based on the recent struggles. But at the same time, he's been really beaten up this year, had multiple little minor nagging injuries and his pace isn't really that much different from what it's been in the past. Oh, so I'm going to, I'm going to say heck no, it's not. Well, okay. The batting average obviously isn't, but his ISO, like his ISO his last four seasons for Chris Davis, including this season, 277, 281, 302, and 210. I I think that last year he had his best year. And I don't know. Like, the counting stats were great. The A's lineup was great. I think you should really be buying Chris Davis more 2016 and 17. But I agree with you, Heath. Like, the injuries are what concerns me. I'm hopeful that the long all-star break will help him. I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be the same guy. He's hitting more ground balls this year, but you're talking about the most consistent player in baseball. So I feel like I should expect Chris Davis to be Chris Davis. Yeah, I, I worry about the uh, the injuries. Yeah, that's the only thing for me, yeah. Okay, uh, next up, Mike Clevenger from Chris Britton. Buy low or heck no on Mike Clevenger? Great, great option, buy low. All right, we'll move on to Trevor Jackson. This one, a little more controversial. A lot of questions about this next guy. Paul Goldschmidt. Buy low or heck no on Goldschmidt? Again, I think this comes back more to what you could buy low for. I don't expect him to be as valuable as he has been in the past. I think he's just flat out been passed by some of these young first basemen that are just better fantasy options than him now. Um... And so I, I I have a hard time keeping him in my top five at first base. If I could buy really low, I would, but I'm not. I don't. I couldn't trade Pete Alonso for him. Jose Altuve or Paul Goldschmidt rest of season. I'll take Altuve because he plays second base. Okay. So Goldschmidt is hitting the ball really hard. That's the encouragement. Altuve, by the way, has a career high hard contact rate, but it's not like Goldschmidt's, um, who also has a career high hard contact rate. But you should have a career high high hard contact rate, you know, the way in, in this environment. But forty nine point five percent—that's really good. 
Obviously, we saw him last year look like he might be like trending totally in the wrong direction. He turned it around, and he was a complete stud for like five months. It's it's much later this year, and it hasn't happened yet. So it's, it's certainly more concerning. Okay, Danny Perez wants to know, would you buy low or heck no on Andrew Benintendi? Hey, before you answer, Benintendi has sat against four of the last five left-handed starters they've faced. Yeah, I don't think I I could do that. I, I I don't think that that's going to that that's going to stay. Like I don't think they want him sitting against lefties for no. Sam he Travis. just I, I don't. I, in fact, it may just be as soon as after the All Star break, he's not doing that anymore. But he's he's really just not quite been the same guy. I was hoping he would take a step forward, and he's actually been worse. Strikeout rate rate is way up over the last two years. Yeah, and, and the and the Red Sox lineup isn't as good. And he batted fifth yesterday, so if if he he doesn't have a ton of power, so I want him batting second. You know, I want him taking advantage of. Yeah, and he just doesn't deserve to bat second right now. No, he doesn't. Devers batted second yesterday and homered twice. Uh, by the way, got an email just now in the inbox from Nick. Uh, Jesus Lazardo pulled. I did not see this, so thank you to Nick. Yeah, he left with lat tightness. Yesterday, after four innings, uh, so that's really disappointing. Yeah, so look, could be nothing, but uh, Jesus Lazardo left yesterday to start with lat tightness. All right, so those are some of the players you're interested in uh, buying low on. We are interested in Mike Clevenger for sure. Goldschmidt and Benintendi were a little hesitant. Altuve, uh, Heath says he values with like a third round value. Michael Conforto is basically who he is. Yeah, you can go ahead and buy low on Jose Ramirez and Scott White. Buy low on Scott White for sure. So then if we look at the roster trends in CBS Sports Leagues and the most traded players and see uh, who our fantasy owners are actually trading, I'm sure Jose Ramirez is going to be high on this list. Who do you think the most traded player is, Seath? Jose Ramirez. Okay, let's see. I will make a guess. Um, I will say it's it's got to be someone who's been struggling. Blake Snell. It is... No, this can't be right. This can't be right. Do you have it set on free agents? No, you can't set the most traded list of free agents. Oh. I think this Who is, is it? It says Frankie Montas, but there's just no way. If that I... is so... You guys are so rude. Why? Because that tells me that people are dumping Frankie no, Montas after the news to unsuspecting owners. I'm just telling you that this most this list that I'm looking at is wrong. So I'm going to see if I can. We did get a message from someone who did that. And yeah, but to number know two, how wrong it was. Number two is Jordan Yamamoto. Number three is yeah. Jay Happ, Clint Frazier, Chris Archer. These are probably free agents, but I don't have the opportunity to sort by. I bet that's exactly what it is. These are probably free agents. I can't find the... Uh... All right, here we go. I think I'm going to get the right list now. W- welcome to the best segment in FBT history. This is fantastic. Okay, click most traded. Yeah! Oh! It's Blake Snell. Bam! I win. Blake Snell is the most traded player. And here we go. 486 trades for Snell. Paul Goldschmidt is two. Chris Sale is three. Altuve is four. Craig Kimbrell is five, and Frankie Montas is six, by the way. Uh, so, awesome. what do you think about that top five? Snell, Goldschmidt, Sale, Altuve, and Kimbrell. 
Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. The Kimbrel owner's probably just trying to get something for him now, just in case it takes him a long time and he's not really much of a help. I think that makes a lot of sense. Would you be looking to trade Craig Kimbrell, or do you, you know, you waited this long? I'm probably, like, it, it depends. If it's a points league, I'd absolutely deal him quickly. You've no trouble finding two RPs to fill those spots on a week-to-week basis. In a categories league, I'm holding on to him. Blake Snell, your thoughts? I, you know, it's funny because I, I got a lot of messages about, you know, Heath talks about FIP and XFIP, but then ignores him when it comes to Blake Snell. I was never acting as if I thought Blake Snell was bad now. I just didn't agree with the take that we had no reason to show any concern for him. As of right now, he had a good start. I feel pretty comfortable about him. I'm not sure he's figured everything out. He's not a top five starting pitcher rest of the season for me anymore, but he's still in my top 10. I don't think I think he's going to have to be so good, so like other world like last year good to be a top five pitcher, just because they pretty much never let him pitch past six innings, uh, right. which you know isn't bad. It's going to probably keep him healthy. They're doing the same thing with Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton though is actually pitching deep into games while throwing like a hundred pitches every time out. So right. you know Snell not quite as efficient, but. Just be just be aware. But I yeah, I mean I was trying to trade for Snell. I missed my chance. I wasn't aggressive enough. Nobody's giving him up for cheap now after his last start. Uh I, I just, did trade away Snell in one league. What'd you get? Christian Yelich. Oh. Nice. Christian Yelich, uh was he? The first player to hit like thirty two home runs before the break since Albert Pujols or something like that. Uh one more guy on this list I want to talk about, John Carlos Stanton, who's probably going to miss the rest of this month. And he's like the eighth most traded player. Do you think Giancarlo Stanton can carry your team for the last two months of the season? I would take whatever I could get for him. Okay. You wouldn't, would you take Michael Conforto for Stanton? Yes. Really? Oh, yeah. Would you take Kyle Gibson for Stanton? Okay, maybe not that. Okay. Hey, good. Gibson's worth owning. He's a must own player. He's fine. All right, let me find one more. Would you take Nick Senzel for Stanton? Yes. That's interesting. I mean, in uh, in an era where, like, everybody's got hitters, it's not hard to find hitters. Like, Stanton might be someone that actually could stand out from the rest. He's he's an MVP winner. So, you know, wouldn't you trade, like, a fairly replaceable guy for Stanton? I don't know it? that we're going to see Giancarlo Stanton make a difference in fantasy baseball the rest of the season. All right. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, Heath, why don't we talk about Coors Field? It's been absurd this year. Matt Snyder has an article on Coors Fields on cbsports.com slash MLB. I'm uh, just going to read from it. Heading into Tuesday, hitters are collectively slashing 307, 370, 526 in Coors Field this season. The league average is 252, 322, 431. So we're looking at a difference of 95 points of slugging at Coors Field compared to everywhere else. 4.8 runs per game per team is being scored at Coors Field uh, per this season. 4.8, that's the average. At Coors Field, it's 6.94 runs per game. Uh, there are more stats. It, you know, it's staggering. And Charlie Blackman has a 654 OPS on the road and a 1481 OPS at home. Trevor Story, pretty drastic as well. Nolan Arenado, 1082 at home, 863 on the road. 
Uh, David Dahl, 1066 at home, 768 OPS on the road. Uh, the one guy who doesn't seem to care about Coors Field is, is John Gray. He's been better at home, and that's actually true in his career, slightly better at home. But when you see the way Coors Field is playing, it's not just Coors Field. It's like Coors Field on steroids, basically. Does that have any any meaning for you in fantasy in terms of how you value these players? Makes me really glad I don't have any Herman Marquez. <laughs> but other than that... Um, this is the thing is like the one guy in terms of pitchers that I drafted on this team was John Gray and it's not really affected him so much. It's kind of weird to me that it's not affected him and it, it makes me uncomfortable, but I'm pretty much just starting John Gray. Yeah. But I think it makes me happier to have an, any Rockies hitter like Ryan McMahon. Except it's, I mean, it's, it's great except those guys, like if they've got a six game week of all road games, it's hard to know which of them to start. Okay. So Arenado, obviously you're starting. And Blackman, you're starting, too, even though he's been terrible on the road this year. I'm still starting Blackman. And I think you're starting Story, too, because he steals bases. You you probably should, although I don't know that his career numbers away from Coors justify it. Uh, No, but his career numbers never included all these stolen bases. Uh, by the way, I think they have the worst... I think you're right. I think they're the worst offense in baseball on the road. Yeah. They have been for like a half a decade. I think David Dahl with a with a six game road week is interesting. I think you sit him in, unless it's all righties. Seven sixty eight. I guess OPS. he hasn't been bad yeah, against lefties yeah, so far. I just splits. don't really believe it. Right. Seven sixty eight road OPS. Like seven sixty eight is not. It's not that good, but it's not terrible. You're starting him in a five outfielder league for sure. Yeah. In a three outfielder points league, I'm probably not. And let's just hope Charlie Blackman doesn't get traded. All right, more baseball from yesterday. Then we got some regulators. Six-man rotation. How you ranking these guys? Corbin, Morton, Paxton, Price, Miner, Wheeler. Let me just say one thing I forgot to say earlier today. There were three pitchers who happened to pitch yesterday and were very close with Tyler Skaggs. Um, what does that mean in terms of their performance? Obviously, I don't know, but you can understand them going out and struggling. Two of them were on the worryometer, Jack Flaherty and Trevor Bauer. The other one was Patrick Corbin, who threw seven innings, gave up one run, struck out seven Marlins. Um, so you can maybe, if you want to internally factor that in, you go for it. Corbin, Morton, Paxton, Price, Mike Miner, Zach Wheeler. How would you rank those six pitchers who pitched yesterday? You came really close to doing it for me. Yeah. Almost in that order. I've got it Corbin, Morton, Paxton, Wheeler, Price, Miner. Corbin Morgan, Morton Pax. I do think there is a there's a tier here. The first three are in one tier of either aces or almost aces, and then the next three are are very good number two starting pitchers. The next three being David Price, Zach Wheeler, Mike Miner. Wheeler, Price, and Miner. Yeah, in that order. And the first three being Corbin, Corbin Morton, Morton Paxton. Paxton. Why Corbin over Morton? Morton has been considerably better. Morton a top five pitcher. Corbin 16th in points, 20th in Roto. Yeah, I think it's just a situation where Corbin was better last year. I thought Corbin was better coming into the year, and he hasn't been. I, If it wasn't for this recent three-start stretch from Corbin where he's right, right at the ship, I might view it differently. But I don't think Morton's going to keep this up all year. All right, next category, what to do with these guys? As you take a look at the uh, the pitchers that we just talked about, but we'll transition to three more pitchers who are highly owned. What to do with these guys? Dallas Keuchel, Ross Stripling, and Herman Marquez. 
What what do you do with Dallas Keuchel, Ross Stripling, and Armand Marquez? Uh, Marquez is the easiest one. You start him on the road and you sit him at home. Under most circumstances. Yes. Um, I I'm probably going to run Stripling out there again next time that he starts. I think he's pretty good, and he's building up his pitch count. And I don't think we'll see Rich Hill for quite a while. And I this was the best we've seen from Dallas Keuchel yet, right? Uh, yeah, but the strikeouts are so low. Seven innings, two runs, That's, three strikeouts. He, he is Dallas Keuchel. No, this is this is much worse. This is eight strikeouts and 17 and two-thirds. This is a 5.7% swinging strike rate so far, which would be the lowest since his 2012 rookie season when he had an ERA over five. Um, his strikeout rate was down last year. It's down even more right now. And if he's going to strike out that few guys... I don't know if you heard my take, Heath, but I don't think Dallas Keuchel should be owned in anything shallower than 14-team leagues. I am anti-Keuchel completely, and uh, I think he's a categories killer. So it's only three starts, and you have to be patient, unless you're me. But if the strikeout rate is this low, yeah, I'm just... I'd drop him now. If, if I knew it was going to be this low rest of season, I'd, I'd get rid of him now. Okay, yes. If you told me for sure that it was going to be 4.08K per nine <laughs> over the rest of the season, then I would agree with you, and I would anticipate that he is going to be a categories killer. I, that's not what I expect. Uh, it's only been three starts. He's like three months behind the rest of the league. I think he should definitely be owned in points leagues. He should probably be owned in categories leagues too. I expect him to be similar to Marcus Stroman the rest of the year. What did you say about Stripling? I'm probably going to run him out there for his next start. Yeah, I mean, look, he gave up four runs, but he struck out seven and four and two-thirds. They're stretching him out. He threw 81 pitches. He might have a start against San Diego this weekend. I'm not sure. But 89% owned. There's still a lot to like. Just his numbers as a starting pitcher. Very, very good. Still a lot to like there for Stripling. All right, uh, Matt Strom had a terrible start. He he is not going to start this weekend. He will lose his two starts. He will go to the bullpen briefly. He might stay there. He might. So Strom is not a must-own right now. Greg Holland had a weird day yesterday with four walks and his third blown save. But they he's, I mean, I don't think he's going to lose his job. And let's, uh, let's read a couple of emails, Heath. Um, but there's certain emails. There's certain types of emails. There's special emails. They are... Mm. Fantasy regulators emails. Oh, wait. Before we do that, I have something. I figured out you can do a remix. Remember when we got um, those parody songs at the beginning of the year? For, yeah. Yeah. And there was like the John Gray one. Okay. So listen to this remix of the John Gray song plus the Heath sigh. John Gray. Ah. Oh. You can draft him if you want. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> I don't know how I figured that out, but let's do it one more time. Ready? A high ERA. Oh. But good K per nine. <laughs> I, I apologize for waiting so long in the show to do that. Uh, the heat that size. That is fantastic. You also missed- I did get a, a message from someone um, that I believe you shared that with. And they are using it as their ringtone. Yes. They said it is a fantastic ringtone. You are, please, if you want the Heath size, the ringtone, just email me and put that in the subject line. And I'll get you the MP3. All right, now let's regulate. Okay. So where's the fr- I sent an email to Heath with the first email that we're regulating, and I can't find it. But it's about Brendan McKay on Yahoo. 
You ready? Okay, here we go. It's from Morgan. And Morgan says, I need to bring this up because, uh, even as an experienced commissioner, I'm really struggling with the whole McKay situation. On Yahoo, McKay the batter was always on free agent status while McKay the pitcher was introduced on waivers. In our keeper league, we set up a gentleman's agreement for Otani after he was signed that whomever drafted the Otanis, one of the Otanis, had the draft rights to the other Otani. As commissioner, I was happy with, with this, as everyone knew going into the draft that Otani would be utilized as both a hitter and a pitcher. With McKay, unless I'm wrong, he's being brought up almost solely as a pitcher. All right, well, that's actually not true because he did hit two days ago, but probably mostly as a pitcher. In my league, someone picked up McKay, the batter, under his stated assumption that using our Otani, Otani agreement, he now had the rights to McKay, the pitcher, on waivers. I realize I've partly created this mess as commissioner, but I also feel like I can't in good conscience let him use this rule for McKay since I feel the two situations and utilization of the player as two-way players are very different. So we've come to an agreement in our league that whoever wins McKay, the pitcher in our league, will have rights to both as long as both are on that manager's roster at the end of the year. This is important because normally we only keep a maximum of two batters as part of our three-keeper setup. The two McKays would count as one keeper for us. I know Heath would yell at me for being a bad commissioner, commissioner, but what is the best way to handle this situation? Morgan, I really appreciate you listening to the show. I appreciate you sending in your message. I appreciate the care that you've put in to being a commissioner. And I'm sorry that you're a bad commissioner. <laughs> but... This is the problem that Adam Azer runs into as a commissioner as well. You try to do something that is above and beyond, and then you fall short in fulfilling what you have agreed to do. And I think that when you set this precedent up for Otani that was different than what the site was allowing people to do, that it should apply to Brendan McKay, who has pitched and hit in his first week in the major leagues. I don't think he's a good hitter. I don't think he's going to be a major okay, league so, hitter for so most of... You're saying... I don't even know if he is a major league hitter next year. You're saying what then? You're saying what? That the guy who picked up McKay, the hitter, should also get the pitcher? Yep. That's... Yeah, I mean, that's what I would have liked. But I just... What I've always Your hated about this argument... does not have this rule, Adam, but his league does. What I've always hated about this argument is the comparison to Otani. Like I get that Yahoo created two Otanis and created two McKays, but Yahoo didn't create two Otanis at two different times. This is a different situation. So I don't buy the comparison. I really don't. And also, using one player as precedent for like the rest of eternity is stupid. I like Don't throw this Otani thing in my face. It's the only precedent there is. There is no precedent. It's unprecedented. No, there is. Show it Otani. What happened? No, because Otani, you had both op- you had options to pick up both of them at the same time. There is no precedent. This is an unprecedented situation. And I, I yeah, guess you're. Um, this guy should get both Brennan McKay's. And thanks for thanks for listening, Morgan. All right, this is from Chris from Long Island, a longtime listener. Okay, he says, "Dear Frank, Dennis, Mac, and Charlie, that's what's always sunny in Philadelphia." I am the commissioner of a league with former slash current D2 college baseball players. During the college baseball season, uh, of one of the former players um, made a bet with a current player that if the current player threw a complete game shutout, that the former player would forfeit their next matchup. Of course, the current player proceeded to throw a complete game shutout. At this point, 
in time, the forfeiting at this point in time, the forfeiting team is currently in contention, while the dude who threw the complete game shutout is not. The team in contention is now refusing to uphold their part of the bet. Their bet was made in our group chat for everybody to see. As commissioner, is it my duty to step in and make a decision on this, or does this have to be settled between the two parties? Thank you for your regulating. Do you mean to repeat it? No. This is maybe the most difficult no, it question we've ever no, received. No, this is the easiest question. On the, fantasy regulators, the dude I don't lost the really bet, forfeit the matchup. You lost the I, bet. I don't believe, as the commissioner, you are responsible for enforcing bets or deals made outside of the structure of the league. So I would leave this alone. This is it. This is on a group chat for everybody in the league. How is this outside the structure of the league? Um, it, it's not on the website. You can't, I don't think Please. legally you 1998? can even bet away your fantasy baseball thing. And I, I, I no, I, I'm not going to touch this. I am going to, to uh. regular, no, no. I am going, to, you can't do that. I am regular, I, okay, fine. Heath is wrong. Chris, you should regulate and say, you made a bet. You said if you go out and throw a complete game shutout, I'm going to forfeit the matchup. The guy goes out and throws a complete game shutout. It's not like he had a quality start. He had a complete game shutout. That's amazing. You forfeit the matchup. You pay up the bet. And I say, uh. I would mock the other guy relentlessly. I might go in and change his team name to something that was not complimentary that um, he didn't like. But I don't think I can enforce a bet to change the outcome of a game. Mailbag coming up tomorrow. Have a great, happy, uh, great and happy Fourth of July and a safe one as well. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.